tonight. Be here, seven o'clock. Our first Wednesday night service. And this will be the first and, one. Yeah, it's the first one. Yes. Yeah. First one tonight. It's gonna be awesome. And um, I'm so looking forward to the teaching. It's like, it's well, it's gonna be. Do, do you know what we're starting? What we're teaching? What we're doing now. What is it? Understanding the Bible. Oh yes, understanding the Bible. Which I never understood it, and I've been a Christian all my life. Never understood it the way I should have. We're trying to make it simple. And it is. And we're try, trying to make it Holy Spirit. No, not trying to make it. We're making it's Holy Spirit led. Even the way He put together today's today's teaching, and. Um, um, and, uh, I think it's vitally important. It's vitally important, especially for those of you <laughs> who have Bibles with commentaries, you know, mm. uh, I, I was giving Loria, for instance, I had two Bibles, um, and we turned to the same scripture. I turned to the same scripture and I read the, what's it called? The commentary on, in one Bible. And then I read the commentary from the, the second Bible. And they were completely different. And in fact, one was criticizing the interpretations that the other Bible was upholding. Now, I'm telling you what. You, you're going to find this interesting. Confusing. Yeah. Mighty yeah. confusing. Yeah. And um, we're going to try to, you know, eliminate as much confusion as we can. And, you know, my hope... In doing this, and what I really believe the Holy Spirit has led me into doing this is to have a greater understanding of what was intended for Amen. us. Amen. Oh. Because <laughs> that is going to reveal Christ. It's going to show Christ. It's going to show the heart of God. Amen. It's going to show the love of God. Which is awesome. And what does Paul say? Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing the words about the Christ. And that's what we want. We want faith to be birthed from within, faith to spring forth from within, that then we could have that God belief in our hearts spring forth where we can speak it with our mouth and bring it into consistence, bring it into existence, especially in our bodies healing. But there's so much cloudiness out there, so much. So today's teaching number one, what the Bible is all about, understanding the Bible. Now, I have a question. I'm going to open up with a question that I want you to think about. I'm going to ask Laurie this question, and she's going to give an answer. Here's the question. Did you ever think of where we'd be right now if sin never entered the world? Well, I can honestly say no. I never thought about that, but... That will help you understand the Bible. That question will help you understand the Bible. Okay. Because, no, I never thought Okay, so now think about it. Where would we be right now Whew. if sin never entered the world? If it was, wow. <laughs> that question right there. That's a, a good one. Do you ever think of where we'd be right now if sin never entered the world? That's actually where we should be because Jesus took care of all the sins. Lord. Yeah, we know that. <laughs> Do you even think we would be discussing the Bible? Um, no, no. We wouldn't even be discussing the Bible. No. So, 
There it goes, right there, is telling us something very important, right? Where we would be right now if sin never entered the world. That is going to tell us how we should look at our Bibles. Because listen to what it says in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 through 28, and then verse 31. Then God said, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. And let them rule over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the sky, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Imagine, imagine that. Okay. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. See that? Fill the earth. The earth was supposed to be filled right now. Right? Okay. Existing in the conditions of Genesis chapter 1. All right? God blessed them and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves on the earth. God saw all that he had made, all that he had made, the sun and the moon and, the, and Jupiter and Mars subdue and the stars. Subdue it. What does subdue it That mean? means you have authority over it. Oh. You have authority <laughs> over it. It's, it. You have dominion over it, okay? <laughs> the sun and the moon and the stars and Mercury and Venus, you know, and, and you know, all the earth and all this beauty. Subdue it, have dominion. It was for us. And then he says, God saw all that he had made. He saw all that he had made. And behold. It was good. It was, no, it wasn't good. It was very good. It was good. very good. And there was evening and there was morning. The sixth day. Wow. So, it's important to remember that God is love. God is pure love. God is perfect love. God is unselfish love. First John chapter 4, author of love. verse 7. What kind of love? Author. He's, he authored love. Well, yeah. because he's love. Yeah. That's right. When you're going to say it, say it out loud. He authored love. He's there the you go, right? Say love. it out loud. He authored love. He is the author of love because he's love. So first John, see, I get excited. See, I get excited. No. No, and and you you, you got to project so because I want them to hear you. You got a lot of wisdom, right? Doesn't she have a lot of wisdom? Watch, I'm going to hear a lot of yeses. Yes, she does. Yes, she does. Especially from South Carolina, they're going to say yes, she does. She has a lot of wisdom. All right. So First John chapter four, verse seven and eight, and then verse ten. It says, "Beloved, let us love one another. Why? Why do we love one another? For love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God." The one who does not love does not know God. Here we go. For God is love. That's his primary character. When you want to describe God, who is God? What is God? He loved. God is love. In this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be a payment for our sins. Now, we have our Bibles we did not fill the earth like, like it was intended. 
See, God didn't make robots, so he gave Adam and Eve a choice. He gave Adam a choice, and then we know there was the fall. So because of that, we didn't fill the earth. We're not subduing the earth. We don't have dominion. We're going to get into that. We do through Christ, okay, as new creations, right? The, war, the world fell. However, we know that because of that, sin did enter the world and death by sin. We see that in Romans chapter 5, verse 12. Therefore, just as through the one man, sin entered into the world and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. John chapter 3, verse 14 through 17. Listen to this. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, so that whoever believes will, in him will have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send the Son, his Son, into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. You see, we're supposed to have be we're supposed to be filling the earth and subduing it. We're supposed to be existing in in the garden, in garden life, in garden living, the way God intended it to be, where God said, Behold, everything is very good. But Adam fell, and sin entered the world, and death by sin. But here's the love of God. You know, God knows that man have, has a free will. He created man to have a free will. He created man because he is love, he loves, and he wanted a family. Just like when two people get married. We love each other, right? Mm -hmm. And we want to have a family together. Because there's just so much love, we want to grow that love, we want to share that love. And because of God's love, he still created man, knowing man would fall and sin would enter the, enter the world. But God had in his heart a plan for the redeeming of mankind long before the fall in the garden. Is that amazing? That is. Before the fall of man, before that point in time where sin entered the world and death by sin... God had in his heart a plan for the redeeming of mankind long before the fall in the garden. Ephesians chapter 3, I mean Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 through 4. It says this, let's celebrate God. He has lavished every blessing heaven has upon us in Christ. And that's where we all are now in this new covenant of grace. We are in Christ so think about all the blessings that he bestowed upon man in Genesis chapter 1. Everything pertaining to life and godliness, right? He has blessed us he has blessed us all with as we are in Christ. He associated us in Christ before the fall of the world, before sin entered the world. He associated us in Christ. Jesus is God's mind made up about us. He always knew in his love that he would present us again face to face before him in blameless innocence. Innocence. 
This is why we have the Bible. To show God's plan of redemption, which was Jesus Christ. So this is why I talk about filters, and I say that in understanding the Bible, the number one filter we all must have is to see Christ. The Word of God is simply, simply all about the unfolding of Christ. Above all else, above everything else, the Bible is simply an unfolding of Jesus Christ, our Redeemer. Secondly, it's about the unfolding of our true new character and nature. There becomes a reset. Our true character and nature becomes of, becomes of that which was created in the garden. I like that. Reset. Hallelujah. Reset. Simple. Simple filters to help you navigate the Bible. Number one, the unfolding of Jesus Christ. And number two. Reset. Reset for the unfolding of who you and I truly are. In John chapter 5, verse 39, listen to what Jesus says. You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. He's talking to the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Sadducees. John chapter 5, verse 39. It is these, these what? Scriptures that you are searching that testify about me. So what is Jesus saying? He's saying these scriptures that you continually search after, they testify about one thing. They testify about me. It shows you the simplicity of the Bible. Doesn't the word even say that he found himself when he you know, was on earth? He found himself in the word, doesn't it? That's where he discovered the will for God in his life, yes. Yeah. So John chapter 15, verse 26 says this. When the helper comes whom I will send to you from the Father, that is the Spirit of truth. So here it is. The Father is going to send the Helper. The Father is going to send the Spirit of truth. And he proceeds from the Father. He comes from the Father. And what will he testify? What will he do? That the Spirit of truth will proceed. He will testify about me. That's why the Holy Helper comes. That's why the Spirit of truth comes. The holy helper of, of God's truth, who is sent from God, is sent for one thing, for one reason, to testify about Jesus Christ. Makes the Bible simple. Makes, it's about Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ is about the love of God, and Jesus Christ is about the grace of God. The, the law came by Moses. Moses. Grace came by Jesus Christ. That's why 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14 and 15. You, however, Timothy, continue in the things you have learned and become convinced of. This is Paul talking to Timothy. Knowing from whom you have learned them, that's from Paul, and that from childhood you have known the sacred writings, the sacred scriptures, which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. 
three witnesses right there. Jesus himself, mm -hmm. and now Paul, right? Mm -hmm. Three witnesses all telling us that the scriptures, the scriptures are simply about the unfolding of Jesus Christ. God had to get us, right? Or, or God had to get the world to the timing and the place where Jesus could enter into the picture. Now, you know, we think that took a long time, but, you know, really it didn't. I was thinking about this. It's been 2,000 years since Christ last walked the earth, okay. right? Mm -hmm. 2,000 years. Okay, so that's 20 centuries. 20 centuries. Okay. Sounds like a whole lot of, a lot of time. But when you think about it, Lori's mom and dad, Lori's dad, right? I even think about me. Think about Lori. We are approaching the century mark. Do we see how fast time flies by? True. Century mark. You know, Lori's dad is amazing and phenomenal. I believe he's he going to sure see is. 100. Amen. He's 87. He's approaching the century mark. So when you look at it that way, that's one person a century. 20 centuries? That's not a long time. That's true. You know, when you go back in time where God started unfolding his plan and searching for people, mm -hmm. this is why we're going to look at covenants. This is why covenants is so important, right? You're looking at 1,400 years, 14 centuries. That's not a lot of time. Think about Methuselah. He lived through nine centuries himself. <laughs> it's not a long time. It's not a long time. But it's what it took for the unfolding and the revealing of Jesus Christ, which we are now seeing. It's what the Bible is about. The Bible was not intended for the law. It was not intended for law-keeping. It was all about the unfolding of Jesus Christ, the grace of our God, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, to bring redemption to man, to turn us back to the garden, to turn us back to reset, to turn us back to the beginning when all was very good. That's why if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. New creation. The old order is gone. The new order has come. Reset. And of course, we lean on and depend on the Holy Spirit. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12, it says, Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is, from, is, who is from God, so that we may know the things freely given to us by God. This is why we have the Holy Spirit. This is why we lean on the Holy Spirit. We don't lean on man. We don't even lean, lean on translations of men. They can mess us up. We go into those translations with the right filter, leaning on the Holy Spirit, leaning and depending upon the Holy Spirit. Understanding the Bible is understanding the unfolding of the grandeur of the plan of God to redeem man from his fallen state and to his new creation reality. That's it. Oh, we're, it's going to get good. As we move on, it's going to get good. Gooder and gooder. Now, we must keep in mind as we read these scriptures, that there's a lot recorded. Why? Because the plan, right, is getting to Christ. Mm -hmm. and, and, and between, you know, the first writing and Jesus, right, it's, it's, it's an unfolding 
it's, it's types and shadows, right? And it's God navigating, right, in his wisdom, in his infinite wisdom, trying to find people who he, he can navigate with to bring into reality the promised one. I hope that makes sense. That's why he selected, you know, Noah. That's why he selected Abraham, you know, Isaac and Jacob and David, right? Mm -hmm. And Mary, he found, he found people who would believe, people who would say yes. It's just a navigation to get to the one who he could, who he could then present to the world the promised one. It's very easy when you put it right. Very easy. Yep. Now, we must keep in mind there's a lot recorded. But not everything recorded is for us, nor was it meant to be for us. There's a lot of historical writings that are just part of the narrative. And that's all they are, historical writings. It's up to us to go into those scriptures as led by the Holy Spirit and just see Christ. See Christ being unfolded. See Christ being unfolded with the building of the of the uh, of of uh, of the ark, you know, the cup, the ark uh, of the unfolding, and 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 the uh, pictures of Christ in all the instruments that went into the the ark, and the tabernacle, you know, and then the temple. It's all about the unfolding of Christ. And yes, we can always learn from it. But we must be careful not to make doctrines of subjects not intended to lead us to salvation. Is that, this all making sense so far? Yeah. Really? Seriously? Yes. Is it okay? It's awesome. Is it okay? I'd like a thumbs up from some of you if this is okay so far. And so now knowing what the Bible is for, in our future lessons, and again, this is, this is just an introduction, and I hope it's, 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 it's whetting your appetite, you know, and creating excitement. We're going to be looking at ways, ways to read the Bible. We're going to be looking at w ways of interpreting and understanding the Bible, what it is saying. We're going to be looking at exegesis. Do you know what exegesis is? No. We're going to be looking at eisegesis. Nope. Do you know what that is? No. <laughs> huh. Exegesis is... Letting the Bible just be the Bible. I like it. Amen. That's, that's it. But we live in a day and age where eisegesis rules. Exegesis is letting the Bible just speak for itself. Eisegesis is men who are debating, right, and creating all kinds of doctrines and, theo and, the and theologies, right, on what they think is there. Well, there's a lot you've given us today. On what they think is there. This is why one day I walked into a church office. I have a pest control business. They had a dog that contacted fleas, and he ran all over the office, and there were fleas everywhere. We had to vacate. I had to treat, you know, get rid of the fleas. But as I was treating... I was, I, was, I was moving from, from, from one room to another. One room to another, Lori. Now, picture 
Most of you live in, in homes. Let's just say you live in a home that's 1,200 square feet. All right? Mm -hmm. That's, that's, you know, that's not a big one, big home. That's not a small home, but, you know, it's, a, it's, a, it's average. Okay? 1,200 square feet. Well, basically, I was looking at 1,200 square feet of room, of rooms, right, of rooms in this, in this big office. And in every single room, there were bookshelves with books that's, that, 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 that spanned from the, from the ground to the ceiling. There, I, could, I wouldn't have been able to count how many volumes of books there were. Do you know what I'm saying? All in the Bible. Lo exactly. <laughs> Lots of books, thousands of books, all on one book. Why? Because of eisegesis. The debates on what is it saying and what it's not saying. And based upon your filter, man's filter, that's going to determine where they, where they come from or where they point to. But that's the difference between, a little bit of a difference between exegesis and eisegesis. We're going to learn that. We're going to learn about systematic theology, where that comes from, and how most of us have found ourselves under teachings with systematic theology. And systematic theology is not the way to go. And we're going to show you why. And we're going to show you why it's produced. It has also produced all the volumes of books I was just speaking about. All the volumes of books. All the volume. The Bible is simple, guys. When you keep it in its simplicity of what I just went over, it's simple. It's very simple. We're going to talk about biblical theology which is what Lori and I are, biblical theologists. You're a biblical theologist. We let the Bible speak for itself, and the Bible will. It will always tell you what it's, what it's meaning as you, as you read it with the right filters. We're going to talk about historical contextual hermeneutics. What is that? I don't know. Okay, let me tell you something. You and I got married in 1984, right? Mm -hmm. If we say, if we said, oh man, I really like Joe Smith. He is such a happy and gay guy, right? 1984. What would we be calling Joe Smith? A happy guy? I don't... Exactly. Okay. That's it. A happy and a happy guy. Okay. And he's gay. He's happy. He's happy. He's filled with happiness. But now today, if we said, hey, Joe Smith is a great guy. He's happy and he's gay. What does that mean now? You got to be very careful. Because now you're saying Joe Smith is happy and I'm not saying good, bad, right, wrong. I'm just saying vernacular of today. He's homosexual. Right. Okay. Words and meanings. Man, did, did you see that movie? It was bad, wasn't it? Now, wait a second. Does bad mean bad or does bad mean good? Well, right now it means good. See? Oh, man, that was bad. That outfit was bad. It was great. It was, it, she, was, she was crushing, crushing that outfit. What does that mean? It means it was a good outfit. Exactly. 
So now we're going to talk about hermeneutics, how what was the author meaning, whether it was Jesus, whether it was John, whether it was Paul, whether it was Peter, what was he meaning to say based upon, or what, he, what was he saying based upon that historical time and that culture? Okay? It's all good. Then, hermeneutics says, what were the hearers hearing? And what did it mean to the hearers? Because if we can unlock what it meant to the speaker, and we can unlock what it meant to the hearer based upon the historical times, the culture, the, the wording, right? The terminology, then we could easily understand, or more easily understand, what the Bible was saying. How's that? Awesome. So not only do we have to do that, then we have to navigate through, you know, like, like translations, like the King James Version, who tried to go, in, go into history and like, well, they, I don't know that they do that, but let's just say this. They try to go into history to come up with what was being said, and then they say it in King James English, and then now we're trying to read it, you know, in modern English, you know, so we could talk about hermeneutics. We're going to talk about dispensationalism. Dispensationalism. This is how I was raised, and dispensation, a dispensationalist. Bad, okay? We're going to talk about covenant theology. Then we're going to be talking most importantly about better covenant theology, our new covenant of grace. So I hope, we're at the 30-minute mark. I hope, I hope maybe you, you, some, you've, you've come awake to some things right now. Um, and uh, you're getting excited, and I hope you continue with that excitement because tomorrow what we're going to talk about is, before we go into all um, um, of the things that I just mentioned, we're going to talk about ways people read the Bible, ways we have been taught to read the Bible, and that's all I'm going to say about it because it's going to be good. So this is Lori and I saying we love you, we can't wait till tonight. See you again. And we can't wait till tomorrow morning and Friday morning because this study is exciting me. It's exciting me. And, and for me, the Bible is becoming easier and clearer to understand and to navigate. Any closing words? Looking forward. It's exciting. It was okay today? Yeah, it was awesome. Hey, let me know if you like today. Please let me know if you like today. You know, put it, just give me a thumbs up. Give me one of those, uh, what is this called? Okay signs. You know, hit the comment button. Okay. I want to know you're, you're excited and you've, you're, you know, you're learning some things, even with the simple things that we went over today. I love you. We'll see you tonight or we'll see you tomorrow morning.